What's up, bitches? I'm Gaia. And I'm Nita. And this is Bitch Why. Our podcast where we talk about all the things we like and dislike and why anyone would make them. We too are artsy bitch is. Learning what makes art good and how to speak of it. Let's get to some snacks. Snacks? Snacks. Gaia, what are you snacking on this week? I watched Pirates of the Caribbean 4. What'd you think of it? That's on Stranger Tides, right? Yes. Yeah. It's hard to watch Pirates of the Caribbean 4 knowing that Pirates of the Caribbean 3 is humanity's cinematic peak. Yeah. The scene with the mermaids is very hot, though, and, like, yes. definitely Rights did for mermaids. something. I, okay, here's something I'll say. Um, I, I watched it as a kid, and I remembered thinking that the little straight relationship between the mermaid and the colonizer was good because the only thing I remembered was that she drowns him. But then I watched it, and I was like, this is actually bad. <laughs> yeah, it's really bad. Doesn't she, like, help him? He gets gills or something, then he swims away with her at the end? No. She literally just drowns him. Oh, she just kills him. Everyone watches that scene and is like, oh, she must be doing mermaid magic down there. But like the whole thing about mermaids is that they kiss people and then they drown them. Why would she be doing magic? Like there's no evidence of her like being able to do anything like that. Like she drowned him and that's hot. Wow. It is sexy that that mermaid drowned that Let mermaids drown 2K20. I also watched Spy Kids and Spy Kids 2. It's 2K21. And... What? You said 2K20. It's 2K21, baby. Time isn't real. <laughs> anyway, Spy Kids. Spy Kids 1 is a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. Unparalleled. Yeah. I know I just said that, like, Pirates of the Caribbean 3 is humanity's cinematic height, and I do believe that, but also... You know how Mount Everest is the tallest mountain in the world, but, like, there's a lot of things on the top of it? Yeah. It's like that. Okay. Pirates of the Caribbean 3, Spy Kids, High School Musical 2, Parasite. I need this to be, like, a graphic. Spy Kids 1 on the top of Mount Everest. Yeah. Spy Kids 2, I will defend it to my dying day. Like, I will defend the Spy Kids franchise until the day that I perish, but Spy Kids 2 is not as good as Spy Kids 1. It's rare that sequels are better than their predecessors. I've been too much in the world of Pirates of the Caribbean 3, High School Musical 2, Mm. profoundly better sequels. Right. So I forgot that a true sequel is worse than the first. Anyway. Anyway. (laughs) Tell me about your snacks. I've been following this Meghan Markle and Prince Harry thing because I'm just so here for her, like, taking down the royal family and i've actually counterpoint to that article that i found about the crown being colonial propaganda it definitely is but it also is like the best argument for why we should no longer fucking have the royal family Um, yeah because you just watch them continually i mean these are all like things that actually happen like all the scandals that they had that they try to cover up that eventually came out later so now we can like write shows about them and you're sitting there and you're like what makes these people different from the Kardashians? Like, they truly, like, have, like, exactly the same nonsense happening, but they are just paid by the government. Please stop paying them. Get rid of them. What's their job? Literally, like, the same function as, like, Marie Antoinette. Look pretty and wear nice clothes and, like, cut ribbons at events. There's, like, a whole episode where the queen is like, I'm not likable anymore. And it's like, yeah, you're not. Like, I don't... I it baffles me that there's still like full on like royalists. I mean, most of the UK there's still royalists. Um, I will say like the more I know about rich people, the less I like them. So if rich people want me to like them better, then they need to stop exposing details about their lives. Yeah. Also, it's so wild that they're investigating Meghan for like things that they accuse Princess Diana of doing, of like being mean to wait staff, which wasn't true. They're not going after Prince Andrew for any of his wild shit that he did, which is definitely... because Meghan's a woman of color. Oh, yeah. And because Prince Andrew's, like, one of the Queen's sons, so... The Queen, like, seeing the Queen makes me so angry. Every time I look at her, I'm like, stop! The only thing I care about is Meghan throwing a tiny 
bomb into this whole situation and hopefully just like ruining them forever she's also very pretty she's very pretty and i'm very happy for her have you seen those side-by-sides of like an article printed about megan when she did something exactly that kate did and it's like megan eats avocados while pregnant and avocados contribute to like all these like farming exploitation stuff and then it's like Will bought Kate an avocado because she's pregnant, and that has health benefits for pregnant women. Like, it's like, and so, exactly, and it's like, wow, could the racism be any more explicit? Britain gets on the US for being racist, and like, T, the US is like super racist, but you guys are the OG racist. You guys invented racism. Y'all invented racism. We, we just remixed it. Ooh, this the remix. <laughs> Oh my god and uh speaking of remixing racism no it's speaking of quirky remixes on originally white things let's get to the roadmap yo i'm still reeling from calling racism in the u.s a quirky remix i'm reeling okay <laughs> It's time for the roadmap. <laughs> Welcome, young bitches, and gather round while I tell you the tale of how every Bitch Why episode, except for the Taylor Swift episode, is structured. The episode is to be made up of four parts. Bitch what? An introduction to just what, what, what. There's key action words in each one of these that actually explains the function. Bitch how. A technical rundown of how it does the thing it does. Bitch time, three minutes. That's a unit of time measurement. Of no intellectualism, (laughs) only words. And finally, bitch why, where we talk about why it was made. And then the bitch meter, which, I don't know, that doesn't have any any action words. It's just the little inclusivity thermometer that often correlates with quality but doesn't necessarily cause quality. Beautiful. I don't know what that roadmap was. I loved it. I I love Thank it you. every week. If anything, I I don't care if anyone else doesn't like it. It's for me. It's for <laughs> doing the roadmap is self care. It's time for bitch what? By the it's way, time for bitch what? All right, bitch. What are we talking about? Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief. We promise we will get back to Twilight. It's just been a... We're just going through some stuff, and we are gonna get back to Twilight. I did get COVID vaccinated, and it almost killed me. I don't know if we should tell our listeners. That that, I got vaccinated? No, that it almost killed you. That feels... Oh, I got better the next day. But I will tell you that I stayed up the whole night, like, with, like, feverness. And then I was, like... Because I had to take care of the animals in the morning... You couldn't even get out of that? You were like, hi, I'm dying. Well, at like four in the morning, I was like, I'm going to go take an Advil and see if it makes me better enough to do these. And I walked to my bathroom, which is four feet away from my room. And then I tried to walk back and I laid down in the hallway until someone else woke up. Wow. And found me there. Wow. And then we were like, maybe you should take the day off. And that's on... COVID-19, dose two, but shout out to Ms. Moderna for the immunity. Love you. Get vaccinated if you can. Please take the day after off. Yeah. Everyone in our workplace got vaccinated at the same time, and we had a pretty wide range of reactions, but even if you don't normally react to things, take the day off. Anyway... We're talking about the first Percy Jackson book this week. We're doing Percy Jackson and the Olympians, The Lightning Thief. Yes. We're doing, we're planning on doing the Percy Jackson books one by one whenever Whenever we we want. Whenever we feel like it. Whenever we feel like it or there's a dip in stuff. Whenever we need to. Whenever we need to. It's self-care. We will be reading a Percy Jackson book. Exactly. Covering the Percy Jackson series on your podcast is self-care. self-care. How did you come across the Percy Jackson books? The Lightning Thief, I guess, specifically. What is the... I can never pronounce this. Did you get that book when you were little? It's like... Oh, fuck me. Delaire's, Delores, whatever, something Greek mythology book. Is it big and hard-covered? It's like a huge... Like a huge book? Yes. um, Do they have the dragon one? I think it has a dragon on it. I don't remember. No, there's one with a dragon on it. Yeah, hold up. Hold Are we talking about the same thing? I don't think so. Hold on. 
Mm, I don't think I had that. How do I say that? Dolaires? Yeah, I think it's Dolaires. Who? If it, would, anyway. if it was in French, it would be Dolare. Dolare. Anyway, that uh, book of Greek myths. And I had that when I was really little. And I was obsessed with Greek mythology. And then Percy Jackson, this was pre-YA, right? This was, like, before, it came out before, so I It was, like, kind of before the YA boom. Yeah, it was, like, pre-YA boom. It did not get the same treatment as, like, a Hunger Games or a Twilight or Harry Potter. I must have been in, like, sixth grade, seventh grade, maybe fifth. Like, in there. Like, somewhere at that time. One of my friends was reading it. I was like, what the fuck is that? And then she was like, that's Percy Jackson and the Olympians. And I was like, it's like Greek mythology? And she was like, yeah. And then I just, uh, I don't remember a time after that where I wasn't into Percy Jackson. Oh, Percy Jackson. I, uh, I was a movie apologist for a little bit, but that's just because I what? was like. Oh, because I, that's because tough. we were obsessed with Logan Lerman. Who couldn't be? You couldn't. Who couldn't be? He's also, the a- like hotel scene is so fun, even though it's so stupid. The, okay, the thing about the movie is like a lot of the it set does pieces, not get the books. No, it does. It's if if it was its own thing, like if it wasn't based off of a book and it just was a movie, I think people would like it more because there's some fun set pieces in there. There's some fun action stuff. It's fun, but it's not Percy Jackson. No, yeah. I guess this was really before, like, child actors were booming. Yeah, now Alexandra Daddario is, like, really hot and, like, in fucking Baywatch. Anyway, Jesus, how did you get into Percy Jackson? Is this a story that's gonna make me cry? Probably. No, no. no. I mean, it's it's not, like, an emotional story. I actually feel like as I've gotten older, having a connection to Percy Jackson has meant more and more to me. So when I was a kid, everyone knew I had ADHD and all of my teachers said that I had ADHD and my parents knew that I had ADHD and like every adult who met me as a child. That was like something that was treated as true, but I never got diagnosed with ADHD until I was a freshman in college. Very quirky of me, I know. But also my name is Gaia. If you're new to Bitch Why, I say it at the beginning of every episode. That's my name. So I kind of always, like, read about Greek mythology. It was just always a part of my cultural lexicon because my name is a really Greek mythology name. Read about Gaia. Gaia's so cool. She's the villain in the second series. She's so cool. Um, Fuck yeah. But, yeah, I guess I can't even remember when I first started reading them. I guess two fun facts the first one is that um, everyone in my sister's class who is into Percy Jackson can be directly traced to me because I made Percy Jackson cool for my sister and then she Aww. made it cool for her entire grade. That's so, and so cute. If you are high school class of 2022 and lived in Colorado in your elementary school years and you were into Percy Jackson, it's my fault. I did that. The second thing is, is I can clearly and distinctly trace the very beginning the very earliest beginnings of my gender crisis to a profound desire to be percy jackson to like like something that i would just like wish for like every day wow these books are maybe the most important books to me in the world like they they hold the most for me i think if someone made a series and catered it specifically to my life experience, this would be the series that they would make. Like having a learning disability, growing up obsessed with Greek mythology, growing up with like complicated families, mm-hmm. all of that really. Yeah, I will say in rereading this, I felt like closer to you. Oh, now I'm going to cry. That's so cute. <laughs> I did. I was like, I feel Gaia in this. Also, like, if you've ever read my writing, I feel like a lot of my dialogue is really reminiscent of Rick Riordan's style. Um, if you ever read anything in my writing and you think that's funny, that's probably from Percy Jackson. Not, like, plagiarized. The right. entire influence there is Percy Jackson. Yeah, it's, like, shaped your artistry. Anyway, Rick Riordan anyway. cast me in the TV series challenge. Please, 
please in the past two weeks specifically i've been consumed by a desire to be in the tv series like i don't know if i'm not involved in the tv series like i just don't know if i'll be able to watch it or anything it's like so i just need to be a part of it and i want to play clarice because i think i could i'm 12 passing should start a tiktok campaign about it anyone who wants to talk about percy jackson i'm here i'm i'm ready to go do you want to sum up the first book okay so look i didn't want to be a half-blood look i didn't want to be a (laughs) half-blood i didn't ask to be a hero we have to talk about the musical in this episode yeah we will yo why is this like very foundational to us (laughs) We saw the Percy Jackson musical together, and I did sob. I think we you like also both cried really hard. Yeah, that was also at a very contentious point in our in relationship. relationship. Yeah, and I feel like I can pinpoint that as like the healing moment. So the reason Bitch Why exists is because of the, the Percy the Jackson Percy musical. Jackson musical. That makes sense. Anyway, Percy Jackson's a troubled kid. He he goes to um, a spe- special delinquent private school, but he's just always had trouble and it's not because he's bad it's just because he's disenfranchised by the school system and trouble seems to come to him in a mysterious incident involving him getting a pen that turns into a sword he accidentally kills one of his math teachers but then nobody remembers it and he's like what the fuck they really gaslight the shit out of him. They really do be gaslighting like, Percy Jackson. This poor baby. He was so baby too. He's like 12. Yeah, he's like, what? But yeah, Percy Jackson gets kicked out of school. He's like, what the fuck is going on? His mom takes him to a little island and she's like, it's all going to be okay. I have things to tell you. So much to say. And he's like, what? And then she gets kidnapped by the Minotaur. He ends up at a magical summer camp for these mysterious beings called half-bloods, which are kids that are the child of a human and a god. He's like, what? I'm a half-human, half-god this whole time? And shenanigans ensue. Should I explain further than that? I can keep going. I feel like that's good. He ends up on a quest. He is on a quest. To save his mom and to retrieve Zeus's lightning bolt. It's time for Bitch Time for Bitch How. Yes. I will say out of all of the, like, YA settings, I would most want to be at Camp Half-Blood. I feel like there's less death than in Harry Potter. Like, I feel like those kids are always in peril every year. (laughs) Okay, so this is weird, but for me, in a way, Camp Half-Blood seems less irresponsible than Hogwarts. Oh, yeah, way less irresponsible. Something about being at a summer camp instead of a school is, like, not as bad as the things that happen to Harry Potter when he's at school. Well, and it's also they still get a life outside of this stuff so that way when they show up in the human world for a little bit they're not gonna be they're not like what's math world events never heard of them what's a toaster (laughs) what is the function of a rubber duck also i feel like they learn more practical skills i also think one of the things that i think this book really sets up well and then kind of continues to be just a strength of rick ruin's writing is the settings are all so evocative and specific that they're enthralling. So Camp Half-Blood is a summer camp, and the way it's described as summer camp, it just feels like summer and fucking around in the woods with pals and finding a home where you didn't have one. It, it I think it just, like, It's so evocative, and I think being more specific than a school being a summer camp, I think just changes the vibe. It Mm -hmm. makes it more specific. And then continually throughout this book, you're presented with these creatures. They're always in such intriguing and specific situations. So, like, one of the creatures is in a mattress shop. They're a mattress salesman. There's, of course, the iconic Lotus Casino, Mm -hmm. which is, like a hotel slash casino I love that. that captures I love you that. and just his ability to play into the specificity of mythology 
and translating it into a modern context I think is actually like something that is a, a failing in a lot of fairy tale and mythology translations they're too afraid to go too specific with it or they're too attuned to the original content and they don't understand what's essential about the original content and I think Rick Riordan really understands what's essential about the Greek myths he says okay the lotus the whole lotus eaters story the essential thing about that is being captured there and staying there forever what's the kind of place that captures you forever in the real world a casino or Medusa like draws you in and then paralyzes you um, and you turn into a statue what's the sort of thing that would draw you in and then be a statue it's a uh, uh, fucking garden shop yeah a novelty garden statue shop slash like fast food restaurant yeah he also does a very good job if you are not familiar with Greek mythology Percy is the conduit for like learning all the things and yeah. I think it does a really good job of of giving you an intro. I think, like, like my, like, I, I know a lot of people who had that book of Greek myths that I had. I'll put it in the show yeah. notes. I don't know. If anyone knows how to say it, DM the podcast Instagram with the voice memo of you saying it, please. Please, I don't know how to say it. It was, like, very popular. I think it was popular from, like, the 80s to, like, whenever it came out to, like, our generation. That was my introduction to Greek mythology. But if this is going to be your introduction into Greek mythology, I feel like Percy Jackson is a great gateway drug into into Greek myth. I also think, like, that leads into a general thing that is powerful about these books is that there is their accessibility. Mm-hmm. So I think this is a book that if you are smart and big-brained and into literature, obviously you're not going to read this book and be like, this is Hamlet. But you'll have a good time with it. You can find the little in-jokes about Greek mythology and, like, classics. That'll be fun for you. But also, if you're a little kid with ADHD and dyslexia, you're gonna read these books and have a great time. I guess just, like, in terms of how, um, I guess we're doing a, this is a infinite series about Percy Jackson so this is like the set of the formula and Rick Riordan continues to like lean really heavily into this formula and I think a lot of people age out of the books because of that but rereading it it's kind of like watching a Kubrick movie (laughs) right I guess so I just I had a conversation with some about Stanley Kubrick the other day and we were like fuck him but like no yeah I I mean like definitely fuck him but also just like the idea of like seeing a movie and being like oh this seems cliche now but this invented that and so reading the first book now having read like probably 15 of his books it's just like warm and fuzzy to feel this book is just such good nostalgia I think it, I think the other thing that really works about it for me uh, is it really feels like I am with these kids as they are grappling with the kind of like what parentage and what like like what gets passed down in a hereditary way. But like also like they are kind of dealing with like this very specific kind of like separation and like it kind of reminded me a little bit of like my cultural identity crisis in a very weird way of like there's a whole part of me that I did not have access to and sometimes do and sometimes don't and I don't know how to reckon with both sides of me especially when I've been kind of like capped off like because institutionally how the gods work is like they're not really like down to associate with their children and so now you have like a generation you multiple generations of like half-blood kids that are like hi i exist hello please recognize me or like teach me how to recognize myself and all of these kids are just like in this weird limbo and i and i i really loved feeling them go through all of like every trauma response to that whether it was, like, denial yeah. and anger and grief. Yeah, I was gonna say I also feel like this series, and it continues to be more and more prevalent, so I don't want to get too far into it, 
but this series allowing the relationships between the children and the parents to be complicated mm. is really compelling. Yeah. Like, I think the instinct in children and YA fiction is to have the relationship between a child and an absent parent be, like, one of idolatry. Idolatry, yeah. And, and like, physically it is because they're Greek gods, but this subverts that, yeah. It subverts it because Percy is, like... I am mad at you like I want to love you and I see myself in you and I understand you in a weird way but I'm mad at you because of the ways you've failed me which are numerous and I think it resonated for me a lot as a child of divorce and having the experience not not just the experience of having a single parent but like when when you're a child of divorce um, and my parents did a great job, my parents are awesome parents and I highly support them. Stan, Sean, and Tiffany. I thought you were going to say I highly recommend them. Highly recommend them if you're looking for a new set of parents. I mean, like my my mom actually like literally has taken in some of my friends from very sweet. families that, yeah, like Stan, Sean, and Tiffany. But I think one of the inherent things that exists from divorce especially if your parents divorced while you were conscious of it is a sense of I think it immediately complicates your relationship with your parents from a young age of like I love you and you are me and you're a part of me and you're like the person who I know most Mm -hmm. but you've also in this weird way hurt me or betrayed me which is if you need to get divorced, get divorced, and it'll be better for your children in the long run. Mm-hmm. But um, this book seems very interested in reckoning with what it means to not know how to feel about your parents. And I I love the way Percy experiences his emotions. I think it's so fascinating. He doesn't always understand them, and he doesn't always feel them in a way that is appropriate for the situation he's in, but he always feels them strongly and he's never gonna try to turn away from the way he's feeling. He's always gonna turn towards it and into it. And that's just a cool thing to read about as a kid. I think I was the kind of kid who was not taught to turn into emotionality. Having Mm -hmm. this little kid who like, when he feels something, that's the truest thing to him. That's hot. And great for, like, young boys to see that. That, like, mm-hmm. all of their emotions are okay and allowed. And they are allowed to express them. Because, like, Percy truly is, like, going through the most. And he cries. And he gets angry. And he gets really upset. Rick Riordan knows that, like, this book will get compared to, like, Harry Potter a lot. There's, like, interviews that I read where he's, like yeah but like all art inspires other art and like i knew this was gonna happen but also these are completely different they just center around like 11 year old 12 year old boys leave me alone i do think that like harry kind of never goes through a reckoning of like who his parents act like were actually like and like it's okay to like love your parents but also understand that they're people who make mistakes and do dumb shit even if they're gods that make mistakes and i'd like and Greek mythology is rampant with, like, these gods are imperfect people, but what if, what happens when they're imperfect parents? Um, and how does that affect their children is very interesting to me. Percy Jackson is just such a good role model as a kid. He's not always great. He makes a lot of mistakes. And he's not always, like, on himself. He's a lot of times, like, I feel like an idiot. I feel like I'm not doing the right thing. And I just feel like so inspired by that (laughs) i mean something that i think this book captures about adhd which i guess we'll talk more about adhd in the next section although maybe i could talk about it now and then yeah is this feeling of like your mind and your self you're not on the same page and you're kind of fighting with each other with your with yourself And Percy's, like, feeling of, like, I feel like an idiot all the time. I feel like the only thing I can be is an idiot. I feel like my experience of emotions, which, like, impulsivity and feeling emotions in that way is very characteristic of ADHD. I think even just, like, coming back to it as an adult, feeling like I wanted to 
be Percy Jackson as a kid, mm-hmm. I think was partly because he just like got what I was dealing with. He was dealing with feeling like he and his his body and his mind couldn't do the same things and feeling like he was not allowed to be anything other than his limitations. And then the whole book is, no, your limitations are actually a superpower. You're actually, um, like, none of this was ever your um, disability. It's just that you weren't ever in the right context to understand these strengths. The hottest take. And it also goes with the kind of, like, disenfranchised conversation around, like, something like the SATs, where, like, a specific group of people can get very good at taking one test, but not everyone should be measured on that one line because other people's strengths lie elsewhere. Also, the SATs are just racist and classist. They're but, racist. But in terms of, like, how we measure intelligence in children, intelligence and ability in children, Percy, like, it, it is so refreshing and, I think, and important for, like, children to understand that, like, even though they might not be succeeding in one thing that just means their niche lies somewhere else but we only think about like success and acceptable moving up in ranks only in certain contexts i also think a lot of times in stories where you like weaponize disability and you're like actually the disability is the superpower like i'm thinking right now of daredevil a lot of times Mm. the superpower makes it so the character never actually has to reckon with the like cultural context of living with a disability and Percy Jackson as a character and all of the characters in the book, they have the cultural context to understand that like having a disability affects their lives sometimes in a negative way. And they understand the feeling that children and adults with ADHD feel like that feeling. So it's not just like writing off the disability as like, ah, it was a superpower all along. It's also this you're feeling all this and like this is the way this is what it is to deal with with being neurodiverse in this way but it's also a superpower so these things can coexist and that's exciting yeah it's a superpower in one context and a disability in another and i think that's the importance of like setting it as a summer camp of like what happens when you get this reprieve the things that you that make you different aid you versus like now you switch into a new context in a world where they don't take into account like the ways in which your differences can be aids like they just because that world is not equipped to to do that for you or or won't equip themselves in a way that will do that for you just like expressing this out loud i don't know it's kind of got me in my big feelings I guess this just goes to show something about representation, which we'll, again, talk more about in Bitch Why. I don't know if you even know how much it means when you're experiencing it as a kid, but this is why I think people should articulate low art that impacted them as a child or as a teenager. Because once you go through and start articulating it and the impact it had on you, it becomes so much more to you you understand what about it made you that way and made you feel that way like the things that made you feel weird as a kid when you go through and articulate that you start to understand the ways in which you were disenfranchised or made to feel weird as a kid and then the things that made you feel strong and excited and like connected as a kid I don't know, just like re-articulating it has just got me feeling some type of way. Yeah, I don't know why when you mentioned that my brain immediately went to the Cheetah Girls. Speak. In terms of like low art, that was like incredibly, I don't know, I think seeing like four different young girls going through like actual real shit in a decom was like very intense and like good for me to see like I don't know I felt like a lot of decoms like felt very like um they're just dealing with things that I didn't understand or like didn't feel on like a visceral level I don't know why cheetah I don't know why cheetah girls maybe we'll do an episode on the cheetah girls there's no you without the things you grew up with you are what you read and what you watched and what you listened to as a kid and as an adult and that's why having 
space to articulate and gesticulate about what that was and what it is feels like a vital part of being alive. I mean, that's kind of like why we have this podcast. The bitch why behind bitch why. (laughs) Bitch why on bitch why. Why? Because... Um, I mean, I guess, like, in this episode, we're having, like, a wholesome representation moment where I'm like, wow, having representation as a person with ADHD was so important for me, and I didn't realize how important for me at the time it was, and now as an adult looking back on it, I, like, really needed that. Um, but there's other, like, less wholesome things, like, re- when we reread Harry Potter and we were like, wow, this is so many things that harry have potter embedded hates me and you harry potter hates like we're me. like harry potter hates us and i think what's nice is percy jackson maybe like doesn't hate us percy jackson doesn't hate us percy jackson doesn't hate us and it's it's so nice and you know what nobody in percy jackson is the villain and i think we'll get into that more later yeah even the characters who are bad canonically would be villains in any other version of these stories they're not there's no like this this is just a book that's so loving and it feels like it's got a home for everyone and it's for you to like make a little house in percy jackson did that like gray area villain thing that disney is doing now with like frozen and moana they did it first percy jackson did it first and better they did it first and better Yes, correct. And that's all I have to say. I think let's just go straight into bitch time. Let's, okay, it's time for bitch time. It's We're time. already like knee deep in bitch why, so. <laughs> and go. Cast me as Clarice, I dare you. Um, do it or else i love that grover when he plays the reed pipes the only songs he knows is a mozart song and hillary duff's so yesterday yeah oh my god um i don't even have any intelligent thoughts because i like feel like i might cry i just (laughs) feel profoundly there's um (laughs) this is one of the series i feel most heartbroken about when they got the movie cover oh yeah yeah terrible i like because the other covers are so good they're so gorgeous they're so pretty gorgeous um okay which is the better world war ii backstory um grindelwald's or the one where like world war ii is between the sons of hades and then the sons of poseidon and zeus you know what though (laughs) tea because i was reading that and i was like oh god the lore the lore of it all um Um, jinkies oh um persebeth was the first thing i shipped ever in my life mine was harry and hermione oh embarrassing not embarrassing embarrassing. i'm so sorry for for ship shaming you yeah why would you ship shame i'm not like a (laughs) draymine Oh. <laughs> remember when i said draymine was better than raylo we can't bring it up we can't we were just fighting this. over which one's worse and i was like i feel like raylo is worse or no no i no, said no 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 i said raylo no you said draymine yeah. was worse. i said draymine is worse than raylo yeah and i said raylo's worse than draymine we can't have this discussion <laughs> and we can't have this discussion today i'm so sorry listeners i have um, no other smart oh i have this thought that is maybe too smart too smart but i wrote like this book is about the kids and their own mythology and like all the parts that make up them and like how they are paving their own no that's a smart thought please get that out anyway well it's gotta be in there now because i said it i don't have anything else i don't have anything smart after that it's just like that's oh, it's the last about their own mythologies. Thought. Anyway. Anyway. I like that the bu- bullies in this book are girls. <laughs> yeah, I don't like that they I get like called ugly all the time. beats Percy Jackson up. Yeah, that's good for her. Once again, cast me as Clarice challenge, but like she just... 
It just beats him up, which is cool. That's feminism. <laughs> feminism is... That, that's equal rights. Equal rights. <laughs> we did it. It's time for Bitch Why. It is time for Bitch Why. I took this class with Adeline called Sex and Gender and Greek Tragedy. It was really interesting. The teacher was very cool. And he talked about how white supremacists love to uphold Greek society as this, like, perfect white society that was, like, untouched by, like, issues of race. That, like, they were, like, the epitome of, like, Western civilization and white greatness. And that's why they they love the Greek statues, because they're all white. Like, it's like, oh, it's like this perfect white society. And I was like oh, wow, that's very interesting. And he's like, here's some readings about it. I'm not canceling Percy Jackson at all. No, is Percy Jackson about to be canceled? No, there is, however, I think latent white supremacy in a lot of pieces of media. And I don't think that Rick Riordan is a bad person. Um, He clearly was like, oh, I gotta send this in America because I'm writing this for my kid. And I'm writing this about, like, little kids. And all I know is America, so I'm going to set it in America. Duh. But there is, like, this kind of recurrent theme of American exceptionalism, l- like, living throughout the the story. Like, you have... Um, like, with the gods being in the Empire State Building. Right. There's also, like, Thomas Jefferson, William Shakespeare, George Washington are all, like, famous, cited as, like, famous demigods. They're all f- it was interesting to me. They talk about, there's this whole, like, very big section. The gods move with the heart of the West. Uh, what you call Western civilization is a living force. Um, they move, like, literally the furthest West thing is California, which is, like, upheld as, like, a like a main site where Hades is, like, located. Um, they spent several centuries in England, France, Spain, Germany. They, uh, like, they, the heart of the fire moved to Rome. So, like, uh, like the America is now heart of the flame and is the great power of the West, and so Olympus is here. It's not bad that Rick Riordan did that. However, it is, it's perpetuating this idea that, like, America is now this, like, great white nation, this, like, great epitome of, of Western civilization and imperialism and colonialism and classism are all like okay because america is like perfect i agree i this is gonna sound like i'm countering your point but i i don't want it to seem like a counter because i think that's true like i think like as much as i can gush about how much percy jackson like hit me um like this book was definitely written by like a straight white guy and it shows in a lot of ways even if it i honestly think that like if you're putting the greek gods in a situation where like you have to explain why they're in America. It's hard to not fall into this, like, manifest destiny, westward expansion makes America great stuff, you know? No, and I totally agree with that. And I think that, I think that's a lot of the reason we learn so much is about Greek mythology and kids have Greek mythology phases instead of, like, Native American mythology phase. Or, like, or Indian like mythology. Indian mythology Asian, phase any, is because... Like kind of, yeah. Yeah, because we, like, uphold Greek society as really great. So I am definitely agree in agreement about this. I yeah. also think these books do take pains to then be, like, the Greek gods are not a good force. Right. But the idea that they moved to America yeah, to the idea that greatness. It's, yeah. But and I don't think Rick Riordan did this on purpose, but I'm gonna talk about it in like this reading. I think that the idea that like the Greek gods move with the West and being a symbol of westernization but not being inherently good is interesting like the Greek gods being almost the destructive force of the West mm-hmm. feels apt to me and I feel like they kind of go back and forth on this in the books and it's hard to talk about this in the context of just the first one because just the first one is really like kind of just the tip of the iceberg but the idea that the Greek gods are kind of like they're not good they're just themselves it's an interesting take on the idea of the west being like this thing that is presumed to be supreme but like when you like look at it 
it's just its own thing, which in many ways is inadequate because the West is actively malicious. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. But I think there is something to be said for taking that idea of like, this is a symbol of the West and then being like, yeah, the West is kind of fucked up is interesting. I think I I also agree with that. This idea that also then the offspring of of like the Greek gods do shape the course of western civilization and history is also like living in a place that is like maybe racist, maybe uh, classist. Like there's some like it, like with like the idea that World War 2 and like uh Shakespeare and like all these things are like direct reflections of like Greek society onward. Um, Feels is like interesting weirdly to me. eugenicist. <laughs> exactly. Like it's it's, it's uh, like the way sky high is like <laughs> the way sky high is. I wonder if people with just regular ADHD and dyslexia exist in the Percy Jackson universe. Or is everyone with ADHD secretly a demigod? Um I think just what saying. what I found interesting is like our teacher was like, yeah, so like white supremacists love to like uphold Greek society. I think it's interesting that there is a direct reverse of that in that, like, a something made by an American who is, like, talking about Greek society also then went the other way and was like, yeah, the Greeks also love America. Like, it just an interesting uh, synthesis. Fellas, is it gay to be Greece and America? <laughs> is it gay? Yeah, and, and again, I'm not saying that, like, Rick Riordan is racist or a nationalist or, like, a white supremacist. This is just another example of, like, the ways in which, like, latent white supremacy lives in our media. It's interesting. Don't cancel Rick Riordan. I think it also feeds into what I was saying earlier about, like, why it pays to go back and talk about the things that influenced you because Mm -hmm. the things that influenced you are also, like, influenced by the world they're made in. And so you can't, you can reread Percy Jackson and be like, wow, this series made me a better person. But you can also reread Percy Jackson and be like, even in our best media, even in the media that, like, we find most beautiful or compassionate or loving which honestly like i think this is one of the most loving books that exists yeah you can never escape from the biases that you have the biases of being who you are in the place you are and that's why nothing's perfect they do have like major set pieces in like landmarks that are attribute like that are connected to slavery like so so it's just interesting the landmarks that he chose like all of that like you can go on a thought spiral about all of that again uh he's doing very good work it's just good to go back and be like ah why did i like when they kids the kids fight in the hunger games exactly same thing why did i just okay accept that like the gods love america just you know think about it i guess like thematically this is going to be part of our percy jackson series but one thing that is really interesting about rick riordan as an author is that as his books progress the more dedicated he's been to providing a space for disenfranchised people creating stories that are inclusive and critical of the world we live in and this book I think I think it's because this story came out it was born of a need for for representation like famously the reason Rick Riordan wrote Percy Jackson was because his son had ADHD and dyslexia and he wanted to write a story for him to make him feel at home in a story and I think it is a product of this book being born out of a need for representation that now Rick Riordan has been continually committed to providing representation and kind of that's changed shape as he's as he's continued writing like he's done stints where he's like I'm gonna write the characters like I'm gonna write more characters of color I'm gonna write queer characters I'm gonna like write that in but now I think something cool that he's doing is really passing on the reins being like I'm going to be the public face that is literally amplifying young artists of color young writers of color 
He's like, I'm not going to write Indian mythology. The fuck do I know about that? I will help an author who wants to do that, uh, do that with all of the influence that I have. He also, like, doesn't do the thing that, like, Joanne does, which is doubling down on decisions she's made. And is like, no, it's fine. Retroactively, I've decided that so-and-so is queer and so-and-so could be a person of color. I don't ca- I don't care. Versus Rick is like, oh, okay, cool. You know what? I will do, I will just uh, do better next time. I will just yeah. continue to do better uh, as I go on versus like retroactively making changes that don't help anybody because then you never wrote a queer character in like a queer context. You just said someone was queer. Yep. And I think that, like, Rick, and we talked about this a little bit when we talked about Suzanne Collins, he's kind of made himself, like, unstannable in the best way. No one feels like they need to align their values and everything they stand for with Rick Riordan. He's, like, just a dude. Yeah. And I like that about him. I think he's just a person who's trying hard. Um, I think, for me... The most admirable trait in the artists that I look up to is trying hard. Trying hard to be a better person, trying hard to make good work. I think, like, a lot of people want their art to be effortless um, and feel like it just sprung fully formed into the world. But I, I think trying hard to be a better person. And is hard work, and I like watching artists try that. And also making art is a lot of work. I like it when you watch something and you you feel how many minds and hearts and, like, pieces of energy went into that and, like, how many drafts <sighs> and how many, how much labor went into making that. Yeah. Like, I, I like that yeah. more than watching something and feeling like it just, like sprung and similarly like i think a problem we have it with people who are in a spotlight is like we value people who always say the right thing and always have like the witty comeback and are always supporting the right things and are always like they're immediately perfect as the thing is happening and i think something that's more important and that i think we should realign ourselves with is trying hard that is to say that when you say the wrong thing, you try hard to make it better and you try hard to say the right thing and you try hard to put your money and your energy and your mind towards the right things. Yeah. I guess try hard for me as a phrase means more than do your best, mm. which I think it could be misperceived as do your best. Yeah, because you can easily say you did something and you're like, well, I did my best. Yeah. But trying hard is, like, I am doing this with effort. I am putting effort into being better. Mm -hmm. I am channeling, like, my strength towards being better. And I think Riku Arden does that well, but I don't know if it matters that he does that well. Like, his work is a reflection of the challenges that he's had with representation. You can track it, and you can track the trying hard. You can, and we will. And we will continue to do so. That feels like a good cap. See, time for the bitch meter. Yes. Uh, this is where we rank the thing. Gaia, what do we give it for queer? Numbers. We gave it an NA. There are no gays in this. There's no gays in this. There's nothing going on. There are no gays, but there are girls. Uh, For gender, we gave it a three. I almost think we should level it up because of of Percy's mom killing her abusive ex-husband with Medusa. Like, we shouldn't, but we should. Yeah. It's we gave it a three. It's like... Lots of girls, not as many as there could be. Yeah. I also want to acknowledge that, like, it is written from the perspective of a 12-year-old boy. So he's often, like... Um, insinuating that women are shrill and that girls are icky. Like, it's, but you know what? It's fine because he's a little boy. But that is, you know, we do have to talk about it. Anyway, what did we give it for race? 
we gave it an NA. I think that this is actually like a really great example of something that changes as the thing goes on. But yeah. um, this book doesn't really think about race. It's not really aware of it. That's one of its flaws, I think, actually, is that it doesn't really think about race. Yep. Um, for disability, we gave it a five. Um, go back and listen to every time Gaia talks about living with ADHD. Uh, literally, anyway. literally talk about, literally listen to the podcast. Go, like, just listen, you listen to the whole thing and you're here now. I didn't even so. say I had ADHD, but I do. <laughs> I think you, maybe you didn't. I don't remember now. I think uh, I referred to being like, oh, this experience is similar to my experience, but I do have ADHD. Gaia is Percy Jackson. Anyway. I literally am Percy Jackson. In when I was in middle forms, school. except physical, you are Percy Jackson. When I was in middle school begging to be Percy Jackson, I literally became Percy Jackson. You know, honestly, me trying to become Percy Jackson is low-key the plot of the second series. You're right. <laughs> kind of. Specifically me, because I'm Gaia. <laughs> For body positivity, we gave it a zero, because... Rick Riordan does have a problem where he says, where when a character is bad, they're ugly. And a lot of times what they mean when they say ugly is fat. Yep. Rick. Um, Rick. Come on. Anyway, uh, for class, we gave it a four um, because there's a lot of talking. There's a lot of discussion around Percy Jackson being disenfranchised and how that also affects his life whether that be like through his disability through his like the class that he's in um how his family functions because of all of that it's pretty class conscious pretty sexy of this book to have class consciousness and that gives us a final score of da 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 a six out of ten yep pretty good solid solid solid. first time bitch why <laughs> you did a good job. You did a good job. Um, it's time for Harris's hot take. Hi, Harris. Hi. Hi, we figured we'd just call you really quickly right now. What is your uh hot take on the first Percy Jackson book? Wait, no. What are you? I thought y'all were still doing Twilight. We were gonna do Twilight next week. We've been going through it. Fuck. I've never read that book. Um, but you know what I did read? I did read, like, while everybody was reading Percy Jackson, I read this, like, Cirque de Freak. It was about, like... <gasps> Harris, you and I both, yes, I loved those books. Yeah, those were really good. They were um, really good. Yeah, I think I I did watch the first Percy Jackson movie. Oh, my God. It was bad. It was but, bad. Thank God. It was, it was really bad. But I'm so sorry. I, I just, I haven't read that book. That's okay. It's okay. Read the rest. Yeah, I didn't have a fixation on Greek mythology as a child, like so many. That, like, nope. feels weird because that's fundamentally feels like it's part of your personality. It's not. I just like statues, but I don't, I, I don't really pay attention to Greek mythology. I'm, oh. I'm, I'm not cool like so many other people. I can't believe Harris's current platonic soulmate is named Gaia. And he doesn't, he didn't even go through a Greek mythology phase. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, it's you okay. I'm the worst. No, yeah. we're the worst for not telling you what the thing is. Also, we wouldn't have made you read the first Percy Jackson book if you didn't have time anyway. Okay, what up? I, what, I love reading for y'all. Y'all are the best. Oh, Harris, I love you. Hot take of the week is just that Harris loves us. Y'all are great. I also, my hot take is that more people should listen to you. Oh, and that my mom loves y'all. Oh my okay. god. Okay, love you, Harris. Love you. Have a good one. Mwah. Bye. Bye. Rip to Harris for not having read the Percy Jackson books, but having seen the movie. That's so embarrassing for him. Logan Lerman. I still love Logan Lerman. Twitter's okay. first white boy of the month. What are we working on? <laughs> I made overalls this week. I cleaned out the chicken coop this week. I'm going to plug this on Bitch Why. I cleaned out the chicken poop this week. I was literally knee deep in chicken shit. And then I went and got my oil changed. And I wore my clothes that I wore to clean out the chicken coop specifically so men would not fuck with me. And they still call me sweetheart. Ew. And I was like, I literally am covered in chicken feces. 
How could you possibly misinterpret this situation? <laughs> anyway, that's what I've been working on this week. What have you been working on this week? I'm chilling this week. I don't have anything to do. Midterms just ended. I'm writing a pilot, but I'm really doing nothing. And that's fine. And I can live with that. Um, amazing. Uh, where can people follow you? Okay, they can follow me on Instagram at Gaia Rose River, Gaia River Rose, depending on what they want from me. They're both active now, so. I love that. Um, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Nita underscore Thadani, T-H-A-D-A-N-I. You can follow the Bitch Why Podcast on Instagram or Twitter at Bitch Why Podcast, or you can email us at b.tchwhy at gmail.com. Please leave a review and rate us on iTunes. We've got a couple new reviews and they're very sweet. Thank you so Aww. much to those who wrote us reviews. Um, all of the resources referenced will be in the show notes. Thank you to our editor, co-producer, and gay god, Cameron, and our graphic Capital designer, G. Jillian. Capital G, gay god. All right. Good night, bitches. Good night, bitches. Don't forget to drink your fluids. Bye.